You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Foundation Radio is brought to you by 10th Ward Barbershop. Serving the historic 10th Ward in downtown Lawrenceville, 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. Adam gets his hair and beard trimmed by the owner of the shop, Ryan Kane, and he loves the laser point precision cuts and lineup he provides to him and countless other satisfied customers. But you don't have to take Adam's word for it. WWE superstars Corey Graves and The Fiend Bray Wyatt frequent 10th Ward for all their hair and beard trimming needs. Right now, all all cuts and trims are by appointment only. So head over to their website at 10thwardbarbershop.com and book your appointment now with Kane, Jordan, and the rest of the team at 10th Ward Barbershop. That's 10thwardbarbershop.com. And we thank them for supporting the podcast. Foundation Radio is brought to you by The Dugout. The Dugout provides custom quality apparel at an affordable price. Modern style mixed with classic designs, you'll find retro t-shirts brought into the 21st century. Adam has several of his favorite t-shirts in rotation from the team at The Dugout, including customized Dudley Boys, Prince and the Revolution, and the Notorious B.I.G. t-shirts. Right now, if you purchase your items through their Etsy site and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll receive 15% off your entire order. That's right, 15% off your entire order. Follow them on Instagram at the dugout brand follow the link on their etsy shop and use your promo code foundation for 15 percent off your entire order the dugout custom quality apparel at an affordable price Jason Baker, welcome to Foundation Radio. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How's it going? Oh, man, it's another exciting day here in Pittsburgh. What time did you get home last night? You worked uh, last night at the live show, right? Um, yeah, we were just doing um, just some tweaks. to. Uh, we made Nikki a second mask, so she had a backup and a spare of the her other one. So we were just tweaking and making sure everything fit her exactly. But, uh, I don't know, midnight, somewhere around in there. You know, not too, like, not too bad. I, I have no concept of space or time anymore. So. <laughs> I can imagine working in WWE. I've heard like it's basically whatever time you have to be there until it's, you know, I've, I've heard some stories about it, but I hear it's kind of sometimes it can be fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah, it gets a little, uh, a little hectic. So, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't I don't remember sleeping at all during WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, that's like, crazy. I, I think I just blinked. <laughs> yeah, like, dude. I just wake up and scream and be like, we got to go <laughs> like, right out of my hotel room. It's just abject terror. Like it's like the, the, the morning of a final that you took like six years ago. Oh, shit. I forgot. You know? Yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine, man. That must have been nuts. But, you know, I was at the show last night with my wife and my kids. And um, I got to tell you, man, I am unbelievably excited to be back like as a fan in the stadium. Uh, it was unbelievable. Obviously, it's the summer of Cena, so that was pretty cool. I saw what you tweeted last night with Omos, the photo. Um, it like I am trying to think about exactly how tall that man is, but when I saw him out in the you know by the ring, he's almost as tall as the the fucking you know the the post. He is just a massive man. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a big guy. I think he's seven. 
what is he, 7'4", 7'3"? Seven seven something, something like that. He seems awesome now. Like, I was, that, that photo, I was joking with my wife. I'm like, this looks photoshopped. Yeah. So, because I'm like, I'm... <laughs> You know, I'm I'm not as big as some of the guys, but I'm like I'm not. You know, I'm six foot, two fifty. Like I'm pretty pretty husky. So to just be dwarfed by someone like Omos is just amazing. And dude, he's such a wonderful, wonderful person. He's so smart and artistic and everything. And we just like anytime we get together, I just love to talk about art and painting. Painting's like one of his big, huge passions. He's a phenomenal painter. So um, yeah, if you guys if you aren't following him on Instagram totally check it out you know definitely one of the, like the unforeseen talents that he he's had he's he's amazing and um he's just he's always fun to talk to so he's just a wonderful wonderful person until you get on his bad side and then he will crush your skull in the palm of his hand right right like what he, what he did to matt riddle last night but yeah it was uh it was an amazing show man i uh i so kind of take me backstage a little bit if you can kind of like let us peek behind the curtain a little bit how does all that work like are you basically on call in the event that like and we'll talk about nikki's new mask and stuff and, and sort of that character but what goes into that so you're there you have the mask that you've already made right like let's just take the fiend right Right. How what happens? Like, are you there in case anything fucks up? Like with the mask, are you there in case it breaks as he's putting it on? Like, how does that all work? Um, we're not there every single week. Like, I'm not like we're not officially WWE employees. We are contracted by WWE for our services. So if they need something, we go. Just so happens that with the amazing relationship that we've built with WWE, we have more clients. So that means we're there more frequently. And then having multiple clients such as, you know, Bray and now Nikki. And before we, you know, we had Rowan and Kalisto and a bunch of other people. So we're always kind of just going through. And obviously with all things, you know, some wear and tear happens or this or that, or, you know, or whatever. So we're always there for like, different reasons bringing in either new new gags new products new props new masks or we're there you know fixing tweaking refining reinforcing because you know there's just generic wear and tear like you know we like some of the elastic straps will get a little worn out from just work so we'll go in replace them just little maintenance things of that nature so it's really just kind of a case-by-case basis on why we're there and um usually we just kind of <laughs> they're like here's your little hole in the wall here's your little corner um or a room and you just you know we just go do our job and that's just kind of stay out of the way because it's such a big moving machine you know and it's and it's live so it's you know whether it's television or you know like one of the live shows last night it's like you know from from this time to this time we know what we're doing and nothing can get in that way. So it's just, you know, you kind of just put your butt to the wall and stay out of the way and let everybody who's there to do their job, do their job. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I dabbled a bit in live theater as a, as a young man. And I, and I remember like every time I go to one of the shows, I think about all of the moving parts that are happening sort of behind the scenes. Cause you don't really know. Right. And there I'm sure have been times where, you know, you, someone's getting ready to go and something happens and you're like, Oh shit, you have 10 seconds to fix this before it's airtime. And I can't imagine sort of the stress, but when, you know, the fiend comes out and does his big grand entrance, you would never realize that something has happened, you know, or something is going on. So I can imagine it's a pretty stressful environment until, you know, payoff and then on to the next thing. But um, I love I got to tell you, man, uh, and we'll get into Bray because we'll talk about that. I have a lot of questions about the Firefly Funhouse puppets and all like that. But I absolutely love the new Nikki Cross gimmick. 
Um, I know last night uh, I heard some things last night, which we'll talk about. But I uh, I got to say what was so it was her idea. Right. I understand that that she made she came up with the new superhero character. And then did they reach out to you directly? How did that process work where you ended up helping to create Nikki A.S.H.? Um, when we get involved, usually nine times out of 10, it comes through creative at corporate. So a lot of times what we'll do is like, if, an, if one of the wrestlers will come up to us, we'll talk about it. I'll take it to the creative team or they'll take it to the creative team at corporate, get it approved, talk about it, come up with the concepts, everything. So everything, everyone's on the same page. And then we go from there, which is what Nikki did. I didn't know till afterwards that this was all Nikki's idea. Nikki never once like in the whole process of it, like she never once flexed or was like, yep, this is my idea. I did this, yada, yada, yada. And she, but she was just so passionate about it from the get-go. So when I found out that it was actually her idea, it's like, it makes sense. So, and, um, but Nick, dude, Nikki's been amazing to work with and just seeing how I'm like, I haven't met anybody who deserves more than what she's getting right now. Um, I mean, just absolute heart of gold. You talk to her for 10 seconds, you fall in love with her, um, you know, and she just loves what she does. She loves being a part of all of it. She's just so grateful. And, you know, it's just been such an honor and a privilege to get to help her see her dreams come true and help her create her vision. I can tell you the same thing. I know that when um, uh, there was a situation with Goldberg a couple years ago and, and my son uh, ended up with tickets to SmackDown in Philadelphia. And one of the things that stands out from that day is Nikki Cross scaring the absolute shit out of my son in the front row. <laughs> like She just ran up. She was doing her gimmick and she just screamed and he jumped back real fast. And then she was like, oh, hey, bud, you know, and was like giving him high fives. And, you know, now we every time Nikki Cross is on TV, we we watch her matches. And, you know, obviously he'll he'll refer to it when she's there. But watching her cash in that brief case this past week was unbelievable and I feel like she's definitely going to be somebody that's sort of next level um, you know taking this gimmick and going to the next thing but you know obviously the the internet wrestling community and even some of the uh, the neck beards that were sitting behind me last night at the show were talking about the the new gimmick and how much they disliked it and I've just sat there thought about it uh, I'm listening to them as I'm watching my daughter watch Nikki run around the ring with her belt and just bright-eyed just so excited to see Nikki as this superhero character. And I'm just, I wanted to turn around and be like, bro, this, this gimmick isn't for you. <laughs> like this isn't about yeah. you, you know? So I just, it's as in all things, it's just like, guys, let it breathe. You know, not everything is about you guys. No, I mean, dude, it's no different than when I hear like 45 year olds complain about Marvel movies. I'm like, you're not the target demographic, bro. Shut up. <laughs> I'm like, no one, no one is making Halloween costumes for us neck beards. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I've never seen, I've never seen a Captain America costume at Party City that will fit a 260 pound guy. <laughs> like you are not who they have in mind. Right. So just get over it. And it's like, you know, and that's the other thing too, is I'm like, I don't know why people have to shit on it. If it's not your thing, what's the average match is what? Five, seven minutes, 20. If it's a pay-per-view, like main event, get through it. Go to the bathroom. Go get a hot dog. Come back. You know, I'm like, blow off some Cena steam and, somewhere. Cena and his jorts will be out in ten minutes, guys. Calm down. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't. I'm like, that's, but that's the beauty of wrestling. That's the beauty of entertainment. Is not. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know where it came from. Where this, like, if I don't like it, I have to destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> situation, and yeah. it's not just with professional wrestling. It's like across the board, where it's like I don't like that, so it should it should die. And I'm like, <laughs> if you don't like it, 
don't spend your eight dollars and watch it i'm like you don't no one's saying you have to go watch snake eyes like just don't go see it i'm like you know or like i, I the, what was the oh i woke up this morning and uh, i just watched the new masters of the universe tv series and i liked it people you know the like hashtag like not my he-man and i'm like okay Hi. then don't watch it get over it move on right I or like it. like the last jedi stuff everybody just shitting all over the last jedi it's like guys just just like why can't and again like or even we can compare it to like what we're talking about a little bit here with with professional wrestling and this idea that like you know just take the fiend and Alexa Bliss everybody's got something to say about the Lily puppet and everybody's got something to say about the storyline and it's like guys what part of Vince McMahon making movies didn't you understand like what part of the idea that this is entertainment that this is a story the word is literally in the name <laughs> right, right right you're gonna sit here and again it's like i guess that's maybe my problem you're, too you're at a world wrestling entertainment show <laughs> what do you expect it to be i'm sorry right it's just it's like like guys not everything can be okada omega and a, and a 12 star you know Meltzer match in japan then like go watch that at, go watch new japan if you want that right go go pull it up on youtube guys it's That's there the, the content like, is there there's options there's flavors i'm like i i absolutely i tell you and I, you know what i didn't even realize that i was wearing the shirt today but this is one of your designs which we'll get to this gentleman in a second but <laughs> honest to god like it is one of my favorite storylines from pillar to post, even the Goldberg stuff that everybody shits on. I think it's fantastic. I think what they're doing with the character is amazing. I'm excited to see him come back, but I get if it's not for you, then don't spend all day shitting on it on Twitter. Find something, get a hobby, guys, get a hobby, do something. But I'm hopeful to see the turnaround because I feel like the fiend took a little bit to grow on people, just like everything else, right? Like every other gimmick. It's going to take a little yeah. while to grow on people, but I no, think he's getting over. The joy was like, sitting here like when uh when we did the first four uh firefly funhouse episodes and no one had seen the fiend costume yet or anything and everybody was like oh great he's he's mr rogers this is horrible and it's just like oh just wait <laughs> you knew it was something sinister that's the thing like for me like as soon as it's pop so right the so tell me yeah first... let's Let's talk the about that. Tell me about that. I yeah. Thought, yeah. Like, I'm just going to just going to I'm, I'm going to tell the story like Tarantino. We're going to start in the middle and then jump around. <laughs> the floor is but, yours, uh, sir. Yeah. So, no, I remember the very first time I ever saw The Fiend, saw Bray, because we, you know, we did the mask, we tested it and everything. And it wasn't until the first time that he had everything on, had the costume, the wardrobe, the contacts, the makeup. And he was like, he was on the set and I didn't even see him come from makeup to the set I turned around and he was just standing on the funhouse set and I was like okay that is fucking terrifying I don't like that at all I'm like <laughs> we made that I know what it is I know who's under that and I don't want to look at it so I was like if I'm the guy who like you know one of the people that helped create it is saying that about it I'm pretty sure people hopefully people are going to feel the same way and they did, you know, I'm like, people loved it, still love it. So I don't know why I'm referring to it in pad no, as past tense. No, I did. No, I, people still, I mean, it's, it's still, I would say some of my favorite and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a long-term storyline guy. I get invested in the story arcs of characters, right? I love the idea that potentially now they might be tying Finn Balor back into the fiend world, right? And like, there's all, all kinds of shit that could happen and. I love, or even as a better example right now, um, Edge and Seth Rollins, right? They're going all the way back to 2014 where they're pulling stuff from. Like, I love, I, I live for that. That's my favorite part of professional wrestling is the storyline and then the eventual payoff for it. 
I remember first seeing, like I said, first seeing that those episodes and going, oh, this isn't going to this is not going to go the way I think it is. Right. Like this is not just some kid show, whatever it is. And then seeing this insane character, my son, my oldest son, James, was terrified of, of Bray Wyatt right when The Fiend first came out. And it took him a couple of weeks before he really like saw him. And now it's his, you know, it's his favorite thing in the entire world. It's his favorite character. We have fiend everything all over the house. It's um, it's amazing to see that. But tell me a little bit more about the creative process of the fiend first. How how much of that is like a, a process for the two of you? Is it sort of like a dance or is it all Bray coming and saying, hey, this is my idea. And can you bring him to life? Um, so I met going way back geez i think 20 2013 or 2014 was the first time i'd ever met bray and i met him through rowan because we were doing rowan's masks and stuff and for years bray was like dude i want to do something with you and tom i want to do something with you and tom i don't know what it is we'll figure it out i'm like yeah man whatever you you know whatever you want we're here and we kind of talk about ideas we'd shoot text messages or pictures back and forth and then just uh out of the blue, Bray's like, hey, I got this idea. I want to do puppets. And I was like, all right, let's make some puppets. Whatever you want. And um, and then we started talking about it, this and that. And for six months, we worked on just spitballing ideas. Like, we would be on the phone till three, four in the morning, just talking, just coming up with ideas, spitballing ideas. You know, a lot of times that would just trail off into like, oh, have you seen this movie? Have you seen that movie? Or, oh, yeah, I like when this character did that or maybe this or that. So we just kind of jot notes and work on everything. And um, yeah, and then we did some um, we did some concept art. We did some sketches. And then um, Bray got Kyle Scarborough involved and Kyle did some concept art for us. And Kyle kind of took all of our ideas that we had had and was like, what do you guys think of this? And I'm like, okay, that that's really a good starting off point. And, um, but, you know, of course, nothing against Kyle, but his concept art was done on someone who's like, you know, 160 pounds. I'm like, Bray's a little bit, his face a little rounder. So we're gonna have to tweak it and change it and everything. But it was, you know, everybody, once Kyle did that, we all were kind of like, okay, now we know where we're going. So that was a huge help from Kyle. And, um, and then we just went from there and we started working and, um, you know, one of the people that never gets enough credit with all of this is Nick Manfredini. He's one of the writers for WWE. He's a fucking genius. No one ever, like Nick, he never gives himself enough credit. Bray and I are always trying to like mention him anytime. Nick is definitely the unsung hero of the Firefly Funhouse. Um, you know, he's the third, he was the third person that was bringing ideas. So it was me, Nick and Bray just bouncing ideas off of each other. And um, so we, we did the mask. We got, we came up with the idea for the lantern and the puppets and everything. And then um, we were gonna, we started talking about the fun house and everything. And um, we're here in Pittsburgh, obviously. And uh, we're like, yeah, you know, like Mr. Rogers kept giving brought up and Mr. Dress Up and all the old like kid shows. And I was like, what the, I was like, man, what, I'm like, I, I know I watched Mr. I, I grew up 
almost like in Canada, so I grew up on Mr. Dress Up. Sorry, Pittsburgh, I'm a traitor. Like, Mr. Rogers doesn't really matter much to me. Um, I respect him, but he, like, he, he didn't have a, yeah, I'm gonna get shot. I was gonna like, say, you've gotta be careful down. around here, man. You know, yeah, Rogers I mean, still has gonna, gunners around here, pal. I'm gonna get shaked next time I walk down these cars. <laughs> like, talking shit on Mr. Rogers in Pittsburgh. I'm like, that's bold. Why would you say something so controversial and get so bold, I sir? I know, right? <laughs> Oh my like, god! I, I might as well just—I might as well trash Mario Lemieux while I'm at it. Yeah, dude, you might as well get it all out of the way. Bruno San Martino, mm-hmm. Dan Marino, just get it all done. Yeah. Get them all out of the way. Clemente, yeah, Clemente's overhyped. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Exclusive. Just, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Romero I, zombie movies aren't good. You know, just all of it. All, like, man, else, you're like just just trash. throwing <laughs> it all, man. Yeah, while, yeah. yeah, just say it. Wawa's better than Sheets. We're just gonna say it right yeah. now. We're gonna yeah, all there out. We go. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. it's amazing though to, to think about like the sort of that was another question I was gonna ask you is is some of the concepts that you pulled from. I definitely got a lot of Mr. Rogers or the aspect of the Mr. Rogers neighborhood or maybe Mr. Dress Up from that. But when you're creating these puppets, right, like Husky or uh, um, Huskis the Pig, obviously, is sort of a, a take on the Husky Harris character, um, which was sort of revealed at uh, during the Funhouse match at, at 36, WrestleMania 36. Where do some of these other ideas come from? Again, is it collaborative or where are you drawing the inspiration from some of these like a rambling rabbit or or any of these other characters that are inside the Funhouse? Again, all of it's a lot of it's just Nick and Bray. Um, you know, a lot of where we come from is like aesthetic things like, oh, maybe it'd be funny if we made him look like this or we did that or yada 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 so you know obviously like mr mercy you know if you haven't figured it out by now it's based off of waylon mercy who inspired bray and so that's why way you know mercy has the hawaiian shirt and we tried to find one that looked a lot like the ones that waylon used to wear and it's just little that's where like we come in is like fun little easter eggs and stuff like that um you know and that again back to what we were just talking about is rewarding fans and giving fans you know in you know giving you guys giving fans something for being invested for so long when we did the uh, i think it was the second episode of the firefly funhouse and bray's like painting um it was i was the one who was like the painting should be something like a reference it should be an easter egg so my wife actually made the painting for us and i was like honey go find this video where randy orton burned down the compound there's a great like end shot where he's burning he's doing the pose I'm like, we should do that. That so she like went and did the painting for us, and then every you know, spoiler alert, Bray didn't actually paint that. So, <laughs> which is funny because Bray could have painted it. Bray's a amazing, amazing painter that no one knows about. Like, really? Yeah. What kind so of art? Does, what kind of art does he do? Um, just abstract, beautiful pieces. These amazing things, and um, yeah. So actually, I think there's uh, yeah, there's one, one of his early works hanging right back behind my head right there oh, no so, way yeah that's amazing so we, we, we traded we traded paintings so i gave that him is, one of mine and that is super cool you know one, I, so. I i am i'm i'm sort of surprised but i shouldn't be this is my wife's work right here she's also she's a non-representational abstract painter uh, I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I kind of am because I feel like you know it's maybe again like omas like you're not really expecting that but I feel like the way that Bray's mind works, like I'm not surprised that he does anything. You know, I'm, I'm if you told me he was a singer, you know, and he did opera singing, I wouldn't be surprised because he seems like that type of like a prince. Anything he does, he's just going to be exceptional at. Um, so I'm not surprised in any way. But have there ever been as you're sort of creating these characters and putting these things together? 
Has there been any concept or idea that you've pitched that maybe WWE has shot down? Like, for example, you're creating a Mercy the Buzzard or a Ramblin' Rabbit, and they're like, er, that might be a little too extreme for our audience. Has there ever been any kind of disconnect as you're creating? Because you're, you know, I know you and, and Tom are big in the horror scene, and we'll talk about the studio in a couple of minutes, but um, anything that feels like that was too extreme for them? Well, if I tell you that, then I'm then we'll ruin some surprises that we may or may not have lined up. So hey, you go ahead. Kinda, and I got to, I got to, I got to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I'm fine so. with that. So, and well, maybe instead of pleading the fifth, um, let's maybe tie it back to WrestleMania 37 um, with the burnt fiend um, mask. Wow. Like, I can't believe the, the level of detail that went into that. Um, tell me a little bit more about the creation of that mask and, you know, that was just unbelievable, like just visually stunning. Yeah, I mean, we wanted it to be shocking. I'm like, how do you outdo the fiend? And I'm like, okay, well, then we'll take it over the top. And also, surprisingly, we didn't, one of the things we really, really pushed for was um, we didn't want to offend anyone. We didn't want to hurt, you know, because there's people who have had the misfortune of being horribly burned horribly misfigured and um you know we never want to ever make fun or make light of those horrible situations that those people have gone through so one of the many reasons why the burn fiend look was so extreme was that it was we took it beyond anatomically possible if that makes sense to where it wouldn't look we didn't want to make it look realistic. We made it look movie realistic, but not authentic realistic, if that makes sense. Because we didn't want anyone to be like, you know, thank you for mocking, you know, my trauma. So that was one of the big, first, that was the first thing that we talked about was making sure that it was so over the top that no one could look at it and be like, you guys are, you know, thanks for mocking my my third degree burns, my physical deformities from these this traumatic situation so we're you know because it's 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 horrible the, the sad misfortune is that people have been burned and misfigured and things and you know i i never want to ever feel like i'm mocking them or anything of that nature so that was one of the big that was the main reason why we wanted we made the fiend just look beyond even humanly possible so we're like yeah let's make him not look like a burn victim let's make him look like a hot dog that got put in the microwave <laughs> so, like that was sort of like that was our, our it was like i'm like you know that one hot dog that falls into the grill during the barbecue and you find it when you're cleaning that's what we're gonna make the bird look like so that is an incredible analogy and now i just saw <laughs> that you have two new action figures coming out from your designs yeah that yeah, must, we're, i mean that's like something like this, right? Like the fiend, I feel like has sort of crossover appeal in some regards. But when you look around and not just maybe in wrestling, but in, the, you know, with Tom and some of the things that you've done and and you see it in public, like what does that feel like for you as an as an artist and as a creator? I mean, that's got to be. Oh, dude, it's wild, awesome. Right? Man. You know, I, I remember. I remember the first time I ever did that. I was at this is how long ago it was. Toys R Us is we're still around. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, way back I when in, I was in Portland, I was where I was. I flew back home to Seattle and I was coming. We were driving down to Portland to a family reunion. 
and I knew that the Triple H gold figure just came out. I hadn't found one yet, and I was like, oh, there's a Toys R Us right here in um, Jansen Beach, so we pulled over and went, and sure enough, I found one, and my dad was with me, and I was like, hey, look, and he's like, what? He's like, wait, you and Tom made this, right? And I was like, yeah, it's a toy, and he's like, wow, this, like you guys made this in Pittsburgh. It premiered in New Orleans, and now the action figure's in Portland. He was, so like, just that, that kind of the first, that was sort of the first moment that I realized that I was like, man, this stuff's all over the world. And to me, that's like the real payoff is I, cause I'm just, I'm a huge toy collector. I'm a huge nerd. Um, I loved, I've loved toys my whole life, like wrestling figure, you know, I remember like my brother and I got all the wrestling figures for Christmas one year and it was awesome. We had all of them, like the, what were they like the red? Retro three and three quarters with like the like the punchy action. Yeah, the Hasbro joints. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yep, yep. Or whatever they were, like four inches or whatever. Some, yeah, they were they were tiny, man. I remember yeah. going through like a hundred rowdy rowdy pipers. Yeah, yeah. So and just being like, just remember just being how inspired and how much I love those when I was a kid. And like, I'm like, man, I hope, I hope they're like, I'm hoping I'm twisting some other little kid's mind somewhere, <laughs> getting him into like monsters and stuff like through our opportunity so it's a really that to me that's like one of the really fun payoffs so so yeah we got the burn fiend and then we have um and then they're doing reckoning me yim's figure which we did all the masks for retribution which is really cool so and um no that's that's really cool because uh you know we've done a lot of stuff but um since covid my wife who is a professional actress with everything kind of slowing down everything she started working more and more at the shop with us just helping us out and um, we kind of put her on Mia's mask. We're like, okay, this is yours. Like, you're going to do this one. And um, so for it to be the first action figure out of rec- out of Retribution to come out, like, she was really excited. So I think it was a really good feeling for her. So, and now she's been, she's been, like, it's funny because in the last, like, six, nine months, we've just taught her everything we possibly could. And she's really helping me, like, spearhead Nikki's mask and stuff with just a lot of sewing and things that I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, you want me to build you something out of fiberglass? Like I can build you a 10 foot tall Frankenstein monster out of fiberglass. No problem. I'm like, you need me to sew a patch on? I'm like, this is going to look bad. It's not going to work for me, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So don't like calling the experts. So like God, God bless, God bless Kendra, one of our crew members and my wife, Mandy and their, their sewing skills. Cause I'm like, not, not my jam. Yeah, no way. No, not me either. I want to I want to tie it back, though, to uh, what you said about inspiring, um, you know, kids to become, you know, sort of horror fans and, and, and get into this. I know that you have definitely inspired my my oldest son, uh, who's always drawing and creating his own little fiend, you know, designs in his in his sketchbook. But I wanted to talk about sort of your genesis with this. When did it start for you when you had the idea that, yeah, I want to I want to create insane horror characters i mean i know it obviously didn't start there but it grew into yeah. that but where did the where did the love and the passion for this come from um i just i've always just been a big nerd you know i mean i'm a, I'm a kid of the 80s i grew i have saturday morning cartoons and like creature features and video stores and all that and i just you know my birthday is in october so i remember i'd spent all my birthday money on like masks and makeup and stuff and i just i don't know i always like creatures and stuff and you know, my dad would drag me to movies with him, I think, just to get me out of the house. To, <laughs> I think he'd use me as an excuse just to get away from my mom. Be like, I'm taking Jason to go see this movie. And I'm like, I don't want to see that. He's like, too bad you're watching it. 
it's like i remember getting drugged to like predator 2 and like all these other like horrible movies and stuff when i was a kid and it's like okay that's that was pretty i know it wasn't predator 1 it was 2 i was too young to go see i was like 5 when the first one came out so but um yeah and i just i just fell in love with it just thought makeup was so cool and there was one little art store back where i grew up called tridy and they would sell like benai and like um like wuchi appliances and more you know a little more professional grade makeup than than like your average drugstore like you know or like your your zipper makeup from walmart and shit like that so um but yeah i mean there was no internet nothing just kind of books and youtube had barely started so i would just kind of experiment on all my friends and met a bunch of other kids around who wanted to make movies and we just you know I'm like every slasher takes place in the woods i live in you know we live in the outskirts of seattle which is all woods so it'd be like 10 minutes you know 10 feet from someone's house and you're in a you know in the perfect slasher set so there's a lot of times just us with no budget making these horrible campy slasher movies and then um found out about tom school wasn't really doing much with my life i was working like fedex didn't really have any plans or goals or anything and i did the college thing right out of school and did nothing with that degree and uh just was like all right i kind of want to do something with my life i'm in my mid-20s already so uh decided to move out here came to pittsburgh went to the school and never went back so now that's Tom Savini's school out there. It's over on the other side of Pittsburgh, right now. Now tell me uh, about yeah, it's down down fifty one, down in Madison, the Douglas Education Center. But they got the Tom Savini Special Makeup Effects School. So I did that, and then uh, I didn't have any money after school to move to LA and pursue work. So you know, look, I'm broke. You know what I should do? I should get into more debt. So I signed up for the George Romero Filmmaking Program. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I should double down on this school debt. That sounds like a great idea. This sounds awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm so, all in, man. I'm all in. I, you know, I'm like, dude, I, I like that's, I, I feel going through the effects program or through the film program, excuse me, was a wonderful experience. Cause one, it helped make me into a filmmaker, which I later used to do the documentary on Tom, but the smoke and mirrors, but also it helped me become a better effects artist in the sense that I can now, because of what I learned at the George Romero filmmaking program, I can now collaborate and work better with directors and writer or not writers, but you know, just directors and DPs and gaffers and editors and stuff on set. So, you know, you kind of know exactly better communication helps you do the effects better, you know, and just knowing where like the camera's going, how they're going to shoot it, everything of that nature. And, um, you know, without the program, I think it would have, it would have taken me a lot longer to kind of learn a lot more of that. So I'm very grateful for making the decision. Tell me more a little bit about the the relationship that you have with Tom Savini as well, because, I mean, Tom is one of obviously horror's masterminds. I mean, he's created just unbelievable uh, effects and a lot of the scariest things I've ever seen in my entire life, quite frankly. What is it like to work, you know, and have the studio with him uh, to create all of these things? Tell me a little bit more about how that started, too. Um, well, Tom killed my previous master in a duel. Cool. Yeah. And Yes. Very that, viciously too, right? Like it was probably yes. just her, the most horrific thing in the entire world. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so when, you know, and when two lords <laughs> fight in this in, in a sword fight, who the loser has to give up all of his 
thanks to the uh, winner. So Tom inherited me that way. (laughs) Well, that's good. That's good. Hey, you know, we're we're, we're doing Jedi rules. It's fine. You know, if we're uh, taking in the younglings, you know, not Anakin style, but, you know, it'll work. It'll it'll do. Well, I mean, I I told him, I was like, dude, this guy's immortal. You're not going to fucking win. So listen. (laughs) Oh, yes. The Duncan McCloud theory. Yes, of course. How could I forget? Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, every time I'm at Tom's house, I'm looking for that Dorian Gray painting that like keeps him immortal. And I'm like, I know it's somewhere in here. <laughs> well, listen, I have a I have a Highlander sword in my storage locker downstairs. I will be okay. happy to bring that over to you just in case you need it for anything. So, yeah, but that, that's pretty rad, though, man. That is pretty rad that, to get to work yeah. with somebody like that. No, um, how I started working with Tom is when we did. The, we started the documentary on Tom because uh, what happened was is Tom hired me for a short film that he directed called The Wrong House. And I just started working with him and I was like, and we would just, what it was is we were shooting nights and Tom and I had a really hard time sleeping during the day. So we'd kind of just stay up and talk and Tom tell me these amazing stories and just seeing him with his family and his kids and everything. I was like, dude, this guy is really amazing. And no one's actually ever told a story and just, and then just finding out that he, you know, he was a single parent for the longest time and nothing against single moms, but there is a lot of single mom stories there's not a lot of single dad stories. So to me, that really intrigued me. So when I came up with the idea to do the documentary, I pitched it to Tom. I was like, I was like, Tom, I don't so much want to tell the story about you throwing fake blood everywhere. I want to tell the story about the guy who went through a bunch of fake blood and then had to go home and make sure his daughter was up for school in time. To me, that's like, as a parent and everything, that story really intrigued me. And Tom signed off on it and we started working on it. And, uh, you know, it took us a few years to get it done, but you know, we finally got it done. It's out on Shutter, and I'm very, very proud of the film. And uh, so during that time, you know, we'd be working, editing, you know, I'd be over at Tom's house, like, scanning photos, or we'd be doing interviews or something, and Tom, he would need some help with, like, little things, like, oh, hey, can you guys, like, I got to send this audition video over. I'm not very tech savvy. Can you help me out? I'd be like, yeah. And then, you know, Tom would be like, hey, I need help with something, you know, with this. Can you, do you mind, are you going to be around? Can you, like, lend me a hand. I was like, yeah. So I always joke about how uh, working for Tom started kind of like the Dread Pirate Roberts from Princess Bride. I was always like, you know, good luck, Wesley. Sleep well. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. Every day I thought was going to be my last day working for Tom. And it's been 10 years now and I'm still working with Tom. And now, um, you know, now Tom is our chief uh, corresponder at the studio. So now he's my, my business partner. And, um, you know, Tom is, he's become family. You know, I, I, I fight with him like family. I, I rib him like family and, you know, but I would also help him bury a body at three o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> um, like, I love the man. I'm, I'm so, I'm just so grateful, not even for the opportunities that he's given me, but just to like have someone like him in my life. You know, he's been such an amazing father figure and just to me and my kids and my wife. You know, I'm like, I can't think of a, like, as soon as a holiday comes up, I'm like, well, what are we doing, Tom? Like, you know, I'm like, I don't even think about it anymore. I'm like, it's Christmas at Tom's house. It's Thanksgiving at Tom's house. So, um, yeah, I'm just so grateful to have Tom in my life and just having him, like, open himself up to me and my wife and everyone and just, you know, feeling a part of his family. So it's been, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm beyond grateful that's amazing man that's amazing to 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 have that that kind of relationship um tell me tell me about the studio tell me about uh studios um 
you know, it's funny is I always joke with Tom about how I, uh, I Godfather freed his ass. <laughs> so it's like, in, you know, the Godfather three, it's like, you know, he's like, as soon as, as, soon as I, I was out, they pulled me back in, and, you know, for like, what happened was this, Tom and them, Tom had Savini land studios for years over in Lawrenceville. And then apparently the biz, the property owner sold the building, gave Tom like 30 days to vacate the premise, you know, kind of just dropped this bomb on him. And Tom was like, I don't, I don't think he really like wanted to, he was like, okay, maybe this is a sign from the gods telling me I should maybe, you know, reel it back or just focus on it. Also at the time, Tom was getting way more acting and directing gigs. And he was like, well, this is sort of a new venture. I want to focus on more than doing effects. So he shut the, shut down the shop and had a little studio in his, on his, in his house, you know, in his like mother-in-law home. And, uh, you know, he'd do little projects here and there, but nothing big. And then we started getting jobs and I was like, hey, Tom, let's do this. He's like, oh, okay, we'll do that. And then, oh, hey, Tom, these people, okay, we'll do that. Or, oh, hey, Tom, this person. So it just kind of kept growing and growing and growing. And, you know, we were doing, and then we kind of, we converted the basement of my home into like a small little studio. And and then we're working at Tom's. Well, we live, I live like 45 minutes from him. So it was just you know getting stuff or bringing stuff back or just you know everything else just like why don't we move it and we just started getting more jobs and then when we launched the masks during covid we that blew up and i was like okay we literally don't have enough room in these two places to keep doing this so i talked to tom i was like hey look i want to open a studio again and we were originally going to open it as sabini studios and tom was like i don't He's like, I don't want to open a shop again, man. Like, he's like, I love doing it. I love helping you. Like, I love being a part of it. But he's like, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility and everything. So I was like, all right, I'll open a studio. You come and work for me. That way you literally have no attachment, no responsibility. It's purely voluntary. You know, if the lights get shut off, it's on me. If, the, you know, if the, if the locks get changed because we didn't pay rent, it's on me. And Tom was like, well, it's all on you now anyway, so let's do it. And he's like, all right. So I, you know, I found a spot, we moved in and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. So, you know, that's the thing is that I'm like, I love having Tom around, but at the end of the day, I'm like, he's paid his dues, you know, he's done his work. It's time for him to enjoy his family and enjoy life. And I'm like, I never want to get in the way of that because with work, it does, you know, I'm like, there's a lot, you miss birthdays, you miss dinner invitations you miss vacations and stuff like that and i'm like you you did that you did that for 45 years it's time for you to enjoy enjoy life so you know that was that was the agreement we came up with so yeah tom is i mean he's very much a part of the shop but i didn't want to put any any more strain or responsibility on him than he needed so you know i'm just i'm very grateful that he's even just willing to be like yep i'm associated with you guys so or, you know, or he'll pop, he'll pop down, check out everything, give us advice, but like, oh, I, you know, I think this side is off on the sculpt or, you know, maybe we should slim it, this or that, whatever. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to the beach. Have fun. <laughs> he's like, all right, see you later. He's the eye in the so, sky. I love it. Hey, you know, and that's, that's yeah. good though. I'm glad that you're able to have that kind of relationship with him, but also as that sort of father figure, not just in your own life, but as far as your designs. I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible to have a, a voice like that with you to work. Yeah. Um, Tell me, tell me, I know I wanted to kind of 
briefly talk about this before I, I let you go for the day, but you don't just do wrestling things, obviously. You do a lot of horror movies, and you've done some music ventures as well. You've done Corey Taylor's Mask from Slipknot, but you also did something for Lady Gaga. Tell me a little bit more about that story. Yeah, so what was it? It was her It was for her album Pop, Pop Art or Pop, and uh, what it was was every major city that they were going on, they would hire a local artist to do a piece for her, and they would do this whole thing and lay it out during the show and stuff. And um, a friend of a friend was her tour manager at the time and reached out and they were like, hey, do you guys want to do a piece for Lady Gaga? And it's like, um, yeah, it's Lady Gaga. So, well, so we finished it, we did it. And um, it was on a like 15 by 10 canvas. It was this huge thing. And the only way to actually get a photo of it was to go up on the uh, second story parking garage, <laughs> like shoot down and get a photo of it from the street. And um, so we finished it, wrapped it up, went to watch the show and they didn't pull it out. And we're like, okay, so I don't know. And then I asked, uh, I asked the, the tour manager and he's like, dude, I think she liked it. I don't think she wanted, cause what it was, they would, she had these guys with these like metal pig masks and they would spray paint and they would lay the canvas down and the paint would catch it. So it wouldn't, you know, so it wouldn't like ruin the, there wouldn't be paint or anything slippery for the dancers and the performers. And uh, so I don't know. I don't know if she kept it or if it went in the garbage and they were just being nice. I don't know. But um, yeah, so we got, we did a, we did a piece for Lady Gaga and then we stayed for the show and it was one of the best live shows I've ever seen. She's an absolutely amazing performer. And uh, yeah, so it was not our usual, you know, not our usual bread and butter, but right. you know whatever hey at least you can so. say you've, d- you've done something with with lady gaga that's yeah you know, no, and even great. if it didn't like, even if it if you look yeah. at well it's funny because if you you know you look at our our resume it's like slipknot misfits <laughs> kissing candace lady gaga and it's <laughs> like you know so it's kind of you know i'm like you need a, you need a little diversity in there yeah, absolutely. It, it, as as Wu Tang Financial once advised us, diversify your po- portfolio. Um, yeah. I uh, so what's what's next coming up for Jason right now? Uh, what's uh, obviously I you you know I have to sign my life in blood for any of the other things, and I don't want to find out at fear of you know the fiend popping up at two thirty in the morning at my room. But what's uh, what else is going on in your world right now? Um, we've got we've got a few things coming out. We got a few things in the works. Nothing we're allowed to talk about. We got a few features coming out. Uh, some new projects, some in the works, and uh, hopefully a vacation. <laughs> so. <laughs> you busiest man in the world, man. I hope you. I hope uh, you finally do get time to uh, to take off and and, and enjoy your time. Um, I usually at the end of my show, I do some rapid fire questions. Since you're a wrestling fan, I'd like to pick your brain on some of uh, what your favorites and least favorites are. If you have about thirty seconds for me, um, yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, let's start at the top here. What is your all time favorite wrestling match? Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter, WrestleMania 7. Excellent Because choice. I legitimately thought that's what ended the Desert Storm War when I was seven years old. I thought the exact same thing. I had no idea what Desert Storm was. Yeah, I'm born in 85. I have no idea what the yeah. hell's going on. And I'm like, oh, this looks like shit, you know? Yeah, totally. dude, between, between WrestleMania 7 and Rocky 4, I legitimately <laughs> thought wars were ended. <laughs> in rings 
I'm like, yeah, the Cold War stopped when Rocky beat Ivan Drago and Desert Storm stopped when Hogan won beat Slaughter. That would be my shit, too. I'd be in class and it'd be like, oh, how did the Cold War end? Rocky Balboa beat Ivan Drago? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Get out of class. Get out of my fucking classroom right now. Your favorite WrestleMania? Ooh. Um... I have to say 30. Good choice. Just because that was that was the first thing I ever did with Tom and uh, doing Triple H's crown and started the show, um, you know, and that and it was the first WrestleMania that got me back, back into it. I think the last WrestleMania I'd been excited for was like 10. Wow. So, yeah. The the worst match of all time. Um. Man, I don't know. That's, that's the, I'm, not, I'm not Meltzer. I can't. <laughs> no. I'm like, I can, dude, I can sit here all day and talk shit, but I'm like, I hit, like, I'll run the ropes and cry because I'm like, my back's already bruised. So <laughs> I need a minute. I need a minute. I got to catch my breath. That'd be me. I'm walking into the kitchen. That's me. Yeah. Um, your favorite wrestling angle? Oof. Um, I don't know, man. I'm, like storyline or just yeah, like storyline or just you know, arc, character. Yeah, dude, I gotta say, I gotta say, Hogan turning heel. Yeah, that like I was twelve, like I was still into wrestling when that happened, and I was just that or Shawn Michaels super kick and Marty Jannetty. Yeah, I have to say Shawn Michaels over Hogan because that just like. Shopping. Blew my word. I was like, shook me to the found, shook my six year old ass to the foundation. <laughs> What's happening? He went through yeah. the window at the barbershop. Like, you you know? guys are friends. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, Randy Orton or Kenny Omega? Oh, um, I gotta go Orton. Yeah, overall. So, yeah, because yeah. well. I know Randy and he'd beat the shit out of me if I said Omega. So. <laughs> Solid answer, have, please. I'm a big Viper fan. That man, so. He looks like, terrifying. No, nah, Randy's, Randy's nice, man. Nah. Randy, Randy's just a professional. He just yeah. doesn't, he's, he just doesn't su- suffer fools lightly. But if you do your job and you're professional, he's one of the nicest people you could ever meet. Um, Kenny Omega, I don't, I couldn't tell from Adam. I'm like, he's got that jury curl, right? Yeah, he's got the, and he's now he's got the he's got the 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 mountain chops as well and the Jerry curl. I, you know, yeah. I think I mean, look, I'm not taking anything away from the, the work rate of the guy or whatever. I just for me, Orton is a is a, a performer through and through. I, I haven't I haven't found somebody that I enjoy watching as much as Randy Orton. So Dude, I will. You know what? I will say this about Randy. It, name me a person. I mean, you can't even include Cena in this list. Name me a person that's literally just been themselves for 21 years yeah i'm like randy's never needed a gimmick change he's never needed a rebranding nope he's never needed nothing he's just been randy orton and it's and it's put butts in the seats for two decades and even still like the legend killer ended up becoming the viper you know like yeah. all of that sort of stayed the same yeah, even back are, to his very like beginning monikers, yeah like you know i mean a moniker is one thing but i'm like but it's still just randy you know he's never needed right you know he's never needed new you know a new gimmick or nothing no. it's just been him and he's made it work and he still makes it work yeah yeah he's, you he's know? fantastic like randy could go another 10 years 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, I think they're trying to do something new with this riddle thing. I, I love the storyline between him and the fiend at the end of last year. Um, the payoff at WrestleMania. I mean, I just, I, I love that. And again, long-term storytelling for me, you know, he's a guy mm-hmm. that you can go all the way back to the beginning of his career and tell something crazy, you know? Yeah. Uh, WWE AEW crossover. Does it happen? Um, I don't see why not. Yeah. I, I can see, I, I don't see why not at this point. Um, you know, I think the difference between AEW and WCW was that it seemed like from what I, you know, also to the winner goes the spoil. So I don't know exactly like what the true history is with WCW, but what it seemed like is WCW was kind of out to destroy WWE as AEW seems like it just wants to be an alternative. Right. So I'm like, as long, I'm like, who knows, man? I'm like money talks. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it really boils down to. And, you know, uh, for me as a fan, whatever is going to give us the most amount of excitement, I'm, I'm about, yeah. you know, I don't, oh, I'm, I'm for it. You don't, I don't care. You don't think I wouldn't shell out 50 bucks to watch Finn go one-on-one with Darby? Or like Orton and Omega? <laughs> I'd pay big yeah. money to see that. I would want to see that because it's fascinating. It's something new. Last question yeah. for you. Sting and The Undertaker, in their prime, they face off. They finally meet. Who goes over? Oof. See, are we talking Crow Sting or are we talking... Yeah, we're talking Bash the Beach. No, we're talking Crow Sting, Dark Character. We're talking The Undertaker, probably Ministry of Darkness era, maybe a little bit later. Um, Definitely not American Badass. We're talking the darkest characters. They finally go head to head. Uh, Where are they wrestling at and who's booking it? Hmm, that's a good question. See, you got like, that's the thing. Yeah, that's a good question. You can't just slap them. You got to like, there's there's variables, man. Damn it. You got me. First time somebody's got me on this question. Yeah. Me, I'm I'm going Taker anyway, but I am a huge Sting Mark. So I, for me, I think yeah. for me that was the biggest missed opportunity in wrestling. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, really for me. I I go back and forth on that a lot. So uh, Jason Baker, thank you so much for stopping by the show today. It's been a pleasure to have you on. I'm excited to see what's coming. Um, I'm sure you have a lot of fun things coming down for us all, and I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor.